This is Beekeeper Confidential, a show about the curious lives of bees and their beekeepers. I'm your host, Mandy Shaw. Today's guest has been participating in the greater beekeeping conversation for many years with his comic, Being Apis. When I asked him to join me on the show, I pointed out that we, the beekeepers, didn't really know much about him, and yet his work was, at least for me, a staple in our beekeeping content consumption. Being Apis, in his own words, is a comic about beekeeping with a strange sense of humor, bad puns, wordplay, dad jokes, and the occasional cerebral challenge. He is clever, quirky, and humble, and has generously shared his comics with us since 2015. Meet Robert Hull, but you can call him Rob. Good evening. Good evening to you. Where Where are you? Uh, I'm in Maine. Okay. I was just yeah. um, up in Vermont uh, mid-October, and oh, okay. everybody was telling me, you missed the foliage by about one week. Like it peaked a week ago, but to me, it was still really gorgeous. Yeah, we had a really early fall this year because it was so dry up here. Uh-huh. Um, so everything everything went um, really fast. It actually wasn't the best uh, year for color. So. Uh, well, I wouldn't have known any different. <laughs> Yeah, Vermont maybe was a little different than than Maine, but well, I'm I'm rocking my being Apis oh, T-shirt. Yeah. You got the, the beekeeper one. Yeah, I saw it shows me on Threadless like what what people get. So yeah, cool. Well, uh, I really am glad that you said yes. I'm actually coming <laughs> back from a little bit of a sabbatical from recording episodes. Even when I first started the show, I was trying to put out a new episode every week. And I just really underestimated how much time that actually takes. I can relate. <laughs> I was doing like two or three comics a week at first. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to run out of ideas. I don't have time to do all this. So. I know. That's just um, the thing. Like, I don't want I don't want the same conversations to be happening every episode, you know. Right. And I yep. was starting to hear that in my own voice when I'd go back and like edit things I'm like I said that the last time <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a lot of time too yeah. yeah so you start you started the same time I did okay so. so we both had that uh spark of excitement and enthusiasm to like start creating something inspired by beekeeping yes <laughs> well I would love to talk about your beekeeping because obviously you know your stuff um and that comes through in your comic <laughs> I always think that bees are, are kind of playing pranks on us a lot, and you capture that in your series. Uh, I try. <laughs> <laughs> I try. Yeah, I, I certainly don't uh, advertise myself as um, <laughs> an ex expert beekeeper. I'm, I'm a mediocre beekeeper at best. <laughs> Um, I do have a shirt that says world's okayest beekeeper. And that's one that I, I feel that really one. proud to yeah. wear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've had as many as seven hives, but uh, like I only have one hive right now. I've had some, I, I've been um, a little bit lax through COVID and yeah. my my um, my beekeeping skills weren't, weren't where they should have been. So I experienced yeah. a little bit of that too. And I, I think last year, well, this, this whole year, I think was maybe a recover year. And then next year, you know, a lot of people I think will be feeling 
better and more like themselves and more like they can really dive into their, you know, hobbies and things that they love. Yes. Isn't that weird though? I mean, it feels like everybody was just so traumatized by the pandemic. We had other focuses, I think. (laughs) So hopefully we can get back. Yeah. This was like kind of a recovery year for me as well. Um, uh, As far as the beekeeping goes. So, yeah, as far as the comics go. um, Yeah. I mean, I, I try to, I try to work the beekeeping in there. Um, I, I, um, I'm good on the theory. I'm not so good on the practice. (sighs) So, um, <laughs> you know, like I know what household positioning is and, you know, I know what worry hives are and long hives and, um, you know, I've, I've, I've done a lot of reading and a lot of watching over the last eight years. And, um, I feel like I've got a really good feel for it, but, and when it comes to actually doing the things, I'm not so great. Um, <laughs> what kind of hive do you keep? So I keep, um, uh, eight frame Langstroth. Yep. Um, and actually we, I, I only have one hive right now. It's not really mine. It's my son's. We're, we're working together on some beekeeping yeah. courses for him. Um, how old is he? Um, so my son is uh, 16. Okay. Um, and, um, yeah, he just finished his intermediate beekeeping with the university of Florida. Oh the my intermediate gosh. Level class. Good and he him. started the master one and, uh, he keeps telling me I should do it too, but, um, maybe someday. Maybe yeah. someday. Um, whenever I meet a young beekeeper that's like really into it and just, you know, it's a natural fit for them, I just think about how great they're going to become because they have so much time. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's just, and they're sponges. They just soak it all up. And it's, you know, you go to a, a meeting that's about Varroa and it's like, oh, dad, I've heard all this before. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. It's true. It does all start to like kind of sound the same, like after a while. Yeah. Yeah. The comic actually came out of, um, um, so I started the comic about the same time that I started beekeeping about a half year later. Um, so we were just sitting drawing one evening after dinner around the kitchen table and I just started drawing the first comic and then I drew a second one and a third one and then I realized I had a lot of ideas yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah I just kind of refined it a little bit and um, I don't really know where my ideas come from they come from everywhere um, you know um, just talking to people reading things did you Um, have the name for it right away or did that come after doing a few of your drawings it came pretty quickly i'm not sure exactly when i I would say in the first month or so i I certainly had a name for it yeah (laughs) (laughs) at what point did you realize okay this is something kind of cool and special and and it makes me feel good and i want to share it with other people well i started a page on facebook probably a few weeks after I started. Um, but I didn't really, it was never my expectation that anybody would really, um, enjoy them (laughs) other than me. Um, I have a, I have a pretty wacky sense of humor. Um, you, you noted that you, it reminds you a little bit of the far side. Mm -hmm. It totally (laughs) does. That's, um, it's, I mean, that's definitely an inspiration. Yeah. Um, I don't certainly not based on the far side, but, um, but I, I like the single frame comics, just sort of like a, a moment in time or a snapshot of a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've tried some other formats too. And 
I don't like them as much. I think it's partially because I'm just a lazy artist. Um, <laughs> and I just can do one picture and be done yeah. instead of having to do a whole lot of them, um, which is a lot more a lot more emotional effort. Yeah, but, for um, sure. I'm curious if you have always been a artist or a, a tunist. Um, all right. Well, so I don't consider myself to be an artist. Okay. Um, I consider myself to be... Um, a creative person, maybe an artistic person, but I, I think an artist is somebody who's kind of like a professionally <laughs> attuned <laughs> person. And I just kind of do this for fun. And yeah. I don't, they're, they're not really all that good. Most of them. Um, I don't spend enough time to, to on them to really like every once in a while. Um, I will, I'll spend more time on one. Um, and there are a few comics that I've done that I've spent a lot of time on. Um, and, I think you can tell when you look at them that I spent more time on them, but I started, I mean, I've always, I've always drawn in high school. I took art lessons every week for three or four years, um, mm -hmm. like real art lessons. Um, and so I, I got pretty good at, at one point with um, pastels and watercolors and um, charcoal and um, just different kinds of mediums. Um, but um but nowadays it's mostly just the pencil and ink and yeah um coloring on the computer because i found it it just it works better um i tried at first when you look at my old comics you'll see that they're they were colored with um <laughs> with pencil um and those never scanned well they always looked awful uh -huh. um so i stopped i stopped doing it that way and then did all the coloring on the computer and that seems to work better um some people do the they do all their drawing with like uh uh, digital pads and yeah. I try that and it just doesn't work well for me I don't I can never get it to look quite the way I want it to um as I can with like pencils and and uh, paper so yeah I think that's one of the things that I I find that is visually appealing about it that it reminds me of those Gary Larson type drawings is because they're not fancy they're really simple but the the way that you capture the gestures and the little details that you add into it, it goes with whatever one liner you've got in there. It just works. It works really well. So that's a talent. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think I spend a lot of time. I probably spend as much time putting a title on the comic as I do actually drawing the comic. Wow. And probably nobody ever, really even looks at the titles um <laughs> but but sometimes they're kind of obscure and that they relate to the, what's going on in the comic in a very unusual way mm -hmm. um um and i think mo most of the time people don't quite get <laughs> the titles on the comics but there's usually some kind of twist there some wordplay or or something punny or uh or, uh a reference to to something else I see. You, you have to think about a little bit yeah. to, to figure it out. Well, I, I'm i really curious and I'd, I'd love it if you could share some beekeeping stories. It's totally fine if you're a, a mediocre beekeeper or are, <laughs> you know, on, on the rebound from a couple years off. Okay. Well, so one, so it's, I, I don't know if it's a funny anecdote, but the, the joke at our house is that my bees hate me. That every hive, every colony I've had, that they they just hate me. Um, 
this year for the first year, I, I finally had a hive that was um, was a pretty calm hive. They were they were not so bad. Um, where I actually would even consider doing an inspection without gloves. Oh, um, <laughs> but every hive that I've had up until now, the last seven the, the last seven years or the six years before. Um, they're just awful. They just, <laughs> just the temperaments are terrible and I'm always getting stung. Um, so I, I come in frustrated sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, um, on days where I, you know, drop a frame or something or pull honey and I'm coming in with like a dozen stings and, uh, that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> nobody wants to be around me those days. So. Um, so well that being said what is it about beekeeping that brings you back because um, a lot of people would be like the, screw this i'm done. i think it's <laughs> the challenge i'm i'm very um i'm very goal oriented and so mm -hmm. i think i think there's a challenge there and um having a successful colony that you have cared for well through the year and you can get them through winter and they're you know surviving Varroa and surviving disease and they're thriving and there's some satisfaction in that. So, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a software engineer and all day I push electrons around and it's not, you know, there's, it's, there's, there are certainly fulfilling aspects to that, but it's not quite the same as producing something. Mm -hmm. So you can produce a comic and you can say, look what I made, or you can have a successful colony and say, you know, look, they made it through winter. I was able to do splits. I had, you know, 10 pounds of honey and there's, there's definitely a satisfaction in that. And yeah. I think the, the goal and the challenge and achieving those things is, is what brings me back. Um, plus how would I come up with good, good comics if I didn't have the stories from beekeeping? So <laughs> yeah, God, that's so true. Um, even at times where I wasn't doing a lot of beekeeping, it was really hard for me to even do interviews for the show because I didn't really have anything new to talk about. Right. You got to keep your head in the game. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's so true. Well, I I was trained on Langstroth colonies, and then I got up to 30 hives at one point, and then the pandemic happened, and I way, way, way downsized because I couldn't take care of all of those and have my kids be doing school from home for, cool. you know, yep. who knows how long. We didn't know how long it was going to last. Um, but during that time, I injured my back. And so I decided I wasn't going to do Langstroth hives anymore. So I gave them all away and have just been working with top bars and warres. And now I'm putting together a little shopping list to get started with Langstroths again, because I actually do miss that style of beekeeping because mm -hmm. you can do so much like that you can't really do with the warres especially um because they just get so locked in place uh so right. i kind of miss that I, kind of beekeeping and I, I mean i don't know from personal experience but my understanding is it's it's kind of hard to interchange so if you want to get a nuke mm -hmm. you can't it's not so easy to bring a nuke from a langstroth and put it into another type of hive so yeah it just um, it doesn't really work um luckily there are a lot of swarms in my area so i i do yep. okay with that uh but i just miss 
doing the Langstroth beekeeping. So I'm going to go with those eight frame hives and I'm probably going to do mediums for all the upper boxes. Yeah, I've, I've never had a great back since uh, high school. And so that's why I ended up going with eight frame hives um, just for the for the weight. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know I can pull some frames out and <laughs> out of a 10 and then it's the same as an eight if you want to move it. But it's kind of a hassle. It's just easier to have it as eight and I can... I can manage. Mm -hmm. So it's a little easier. And my son can manage as well. Yeah. When he's uh, working in the hive. So. so what is, what's your beekeeping wish for 2023? Oh, 2023 beekeeping wish. Um, I think I'd like to get up to, to uh, three or four hives again. I think that's a comfortable number for me. It's not so many that um, I feel overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, on, like the time burden. Um but it's enough that, um, uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm doing something out there. It's not just one hive. Yeah. Um, I also had a bear attack this last year. Really? Uh, for the first time in seven years. Um, and so the the bear, I could hear him out there because the, the, <gasps> the hive is outside my, it's about 100 feet away from the house outside the bedroom. So I, I heard it knock the hive over at night. It was like one in the morning and I yell, I was yelling out the window at it. <laughs> it. It didn't scare it away, but it did, it did end up running off. I think, um, I think it got stung enough that it wasn't happy. Oh my gosh. What does, what does a robbing bear, uh, sound like? Um, it was, I mean, it wasn't making any noises. Okay. Um, it, I mean, just the noises you of the hive the being thud, though. battered. Um, yeah, I, you know, it fell, it, they, it knocked it over and then it pulled out a couple of frames. Um, fortunately they weren't really frames with much of anything on them. Mm -hmm. Um, they were from the, the honey super that was partially empty. So it didn't really get much except for some stings. And, um, I was able to put it all back together and the bear didn't come back, which is good. Cause I haven't got my, I haven't got my electric fence up yet. I've been yeah. working on it. Yeah. So that's my other wish for 2023 is to get my, my, my new apiary up. So yes. it's a little more protected. <sighs> well, I just have a fenced-in backyard, and I'm in a suburban neighborhood, so no bears. There's skunks. I did have a skunk one year that kept digging under the fence and would go and harass the bees at night and eat them. Um, and it, that, was, that was the only time that ever happened, though. Other than that, um, the occasional mouse will get in, but... Uh, yeah. <sighs> That's good. That's yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a software engineer, and I'm curious if there are any parallels that you can draw between um, working with bees and software engineering, coding. Um, parallels. Um, I think the learning curve is pretty high for both. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that's the... I think that's the parallel. There's well, a that lot makes to sense, learn. Though. Like you're learning a language when you're learning how to code. Yeah, or more many languages, depending on what you're doing. <sighs> Other similarities. I can't really think of any. I mean, there there are bugs in both, so there's that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, in one we like the bugs, and the other we don't like the bugs. So there's there's that. Um, I think that's probably about it, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we could dig a little deeper and we could talk about um, static electricity that the bees detect on flowers. So they know if they've recently been versus the uh, electricity that's used for um, 
powering the CPUs, but that, that's a, that's quite a stretch. And it is very um. abstract. <laughs> but also now there's this study that was released that bees produce electrical charges when they're swarming. Yes, when they're swarming. Yes, I read that as well recently. What do you think about that? Um, I think, um, I mean, that makes sense. It makes sense. They're, there's a lot of activity going on. They're generating all that friction with the air, with their wings and yeah. building up electricity. It's... Um, it it kind of makes sense. A swarm that sparks. Um, <laughs> you know, and in the case that you catch them, it sparks joy. It so, does. Yeah. Do you have any wonderful swarm stories? Um, I have only ever collected one swarm. Um, and it it was a fellow beekeeper's hive that swarmed, and they didn't um, they didn't have um, any other hives to put the colony in so they put the call out and invited somebody to come get it and yeah. i did it was up in i think it was an apple tree if i remember correctly um it was only about eight feet up and it was an easy catch oh so, that's good um yeah so that's the only one that um i think the hives are around here they're uh sorry the swarms around here they're they're not so many mm-hmm. of them that i end up hearing about the ones that that are just too far away or at a bad time where I can't go to get them. Yeah. um... When I was in Vermont, I, um, I kind of inserted myself in with the university of Vermont beekeepers group. And so when I go to visit, they're so nice and they will let me come and give a talk of my choice. And so I went and I was talking with them about keeping alternative hives and, I, you know, the swarms that happen more frequently with those. And they were like, man, you know, if we let our hives swarm here, they'd be done. Like the season is just yeah. so short. They wouldn't make it through the they winter. They wouldn't yeah. make it. And so yeah. they're like, what would you do if you lived here? I would have to yeah. do beekeeping completely differently. Yeah. the I mean, the climate is... Well, you know what they say, beekeeping is all is local. Yeah. So oh, yeah. yeah, the climate is definitely different up here and um you have to plan differently for for how you manage your bees, mm-hmm. I, I think, from other places. I mean certainly um I I mentioned my son was doing the University of Florida um <laughs> classes and and we we talk sometimes and we laugh about how like they don't they don't really talk about winter. <laughs> he was like, they don't really know about winter, dad. They don't talk about it at all. Like how to prepare for like a real winter exactly. <laughs> where you're getting four feet of snow. So we've got to dig out the hive because, you know, it's completely underneath the snow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. We don't even have that here. I mean, it just is cold and rainy and we'll have some wind storms, but you know, the bees will still come out and fly if it's raining, if it's yeah. you know above a certain temperature. So we sort of walk this line between do the bees go into their cluster deeply enough that they will just sort of remain still for a long period of time, or will they be just warm enough that they'll be walking around hungry and eat up all their food? Right. Yeah. And that's the problem here. And as, as that we um, experience changes to uh, climate, we're finding um, that things have been a lot different the last, especially the last few years. The winters have been a little bit more mild. The summers have been extremely dry. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's definitely making it difficult to try and figure out how to, <laughs> how to manage the hives that you have and make sure that they're ready and um, that they're going to get through winter because 
when they're when they're active in January um, and February, when you're not used to it, um, they really can consume a lot of their food. Mm-hmm. So, do you have hive beetles? I'm trying to think of like what kinds so, of pests. Until do you this have? year, I never had hive beetles, but oh, this year okay. I did have hive beetles, and I don't think I ended up having a big problem. I I, I put a trap in um, late in the summer. And I mean, that seemed to help, but I guess we'll see next year yeah. um, if they if they make it through winter with the colony or not. But it's such an um, interesting problem. It's like not really a problem until it's a big problem, but yeah. they're just kind of there. Yeah. In uh, my understanding is that in in Maine, the high beetles usually come in either with packages or with um traveling hives that come up here like for blueberry season and Mm -hmm. um and then they end up spreading through the year but then they're usually usually gone by the next year but as it's been warmer and the winters have been kind of mild lately uh, i'm not sure that it's really knocking them down as much as we are accustomed to and perhaps that's why i had a problem this year it could also be that um as i mentioned i was a little bit lax last year (laughs) so i think maybe they I think maybe they got a foothold because of that. So um, I just have to be a little bit, a little bit better myself and <laughs> taking care of the problem. So making sure when, that we're not creating a problem to begin with. Yeah, that that's the tough thing. I think um, for us hobbyist beekeepers, we're learning still, and you know we have other things happening in our lives. I sometimes really panic that I'm maybe being a problem with my swarms, you know, with my swarming colonies that I don't always catch all of them. And I'm I'm sure that nobody's complaining about free swarms from your colonies. (laughs) (laughs) It's when your colonies die and, um, you know, your Varroa bombing everybody else. That's when people get upset. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And that's a whole other thing. And we have a lot and of... Not you personally. I don't, don't mean to I imply don't... that you're Varroa hey, bombing I've, people. But... I've lost colonies to Varroa before. Um, but we have a lot of natural hives in our area. I, I have yeah. a natural hive in my backyard. And it's just so hard to um, find the right balance of recognizing that this is a species that has existed on its own for such a long time, but it's also treated as livestock. And so it's just really, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's a difficult line that with, um, you know, you, you can, you can take care of your own colonies, but you can't take care of all the colonies around you. So mm-hmm. even if you're doing the right thing, if nobody else around you is, you end up suffering kind of anyway so it's Mm -hmm. it's difficult so yeah (laughs) it's one of those things with beekeeping that this is another challenge so yeah what are the what are the bee clubs in your area like um so i'm a member of our county club and our state club Mm -hmm. in maine um the maine um state beekeeping association is great um they have a lot of um especially during COVID they've been doing like a lot of online classes and every year we have a, uh, an annual meeting, um, which is great. They always get really good speakers mm-hmm. and our state apiarist um, comes in um, and a, a plug for Jen Lund. She's great. Every, we, we love her. She takes care of us. 
um, oh, and make sure so that we nice. know what's going on in the state. And, um, you know, they inspect um, so many hives that, that come through the state for pollination services and just make sure that um, we're keeping disease down. And mm-hmm. um, they, they do a fantastic job. And our our county association, I, I was more heavily involved with it um, before COVID. And then I, I needed to take a little break because it was getting to be too much. Um, so I kind of, <laughs> I kind of took a little hiatus from, from being quite so heavily involved, but. Were you um, volunteering on the board or were you just doing a lot of the events? Um, I was, I was helping out with a lot of the digital stuff. Um, uh-huh. so like they're the managing the website and the Facebook group and the, uh, mailing list and, um, helping with that kind of stuff and I got really tired of being an admin on our and on my bee clubs uh Facebook page yeah it's (gasps) it's it can be a lot of time but that that was fine I I did it for three or four years I think and then I needed a little break so (laughs) do they love your comic um I don't know you would have to ask (laughs) (laughs) I I I don't assume that anybody really likes it so um, you know, that's I, so very humble of you. I I have to say, um, like your comic has always sort of. I mean, probably because I got into bees about the same time that you did, and when you started the comic, but it's always been there. You know, I've seen it in different places. Um, you know, on social media, and you know, just from people sharing it to different pages, and then your page that you have. I mean, it's just it's always there. Oh, well, that's good. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're seeing it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I draw it with the hopes that people will and get a chuckle out of it yeah. Um, yeah. and enjoy it and uh, maybe think about it every now and again. I um, always think like people can be a light. Um, and this is kind of corny. I'm sorry, but you know, <laughs> you can be a light in the world and you're doing that with your comic. Oh, well, that's, I appreciate that. That's very <laughs> nice of you to say. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess when I draw it, I have a couple of goals in mind. And and one is that I think um, in everything we do, it's important to try and find the fun things about, about situations in life. And there's a lot of hard situations, but we still have to find ways to kind of deal with them and laugh. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and so having finding some finding joy even in the, the tough things I think is important. Um, and then I also um, I try to I try to hit on different topics in beekeeping in the comics. Um, I try not to like redo the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, I want it to be um, in some small way perhaps educational so maybe i'll talk about in a comic some aspect of beekeeping that people aren't familiar with or don't know about like um i I did a comic about tanging um and you know the bees were playing a joke on the beekeeper that they you know hey he's he's gonna bang some pots and pans together to try and get a swarm to land and we can have some fun with that (laughs) um and so not everybody knows what what tanging is or you know what the what the the um what the theory is behind that and you know is it real does it really work some people say yes some people say no 
Um, I, I'm in the no camp. I've tried it. So I'm also I've in the no it. camp. Um, yeah. I want to think, think that it can work. It just doesn't work for me. <laughs> I think that they're, um, I think they're going to land if they're going to land. And if you just happen to be banging some pots and pans together and they're landing, then it seems like Providence. And, <laughs> and if you're not banging pots and pans together and they land, then they just felt like landing. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's something to it. Maybe there's not. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not one to say. But but that just, you know, bringing up the topic of tangy in the comic um, can lead somebody to say, tangy, what's that? And then they'll learn something about, about what it is and, you know, does it work? Does it not work? Mm-hmm. Um, I try to avoid... Um, things that are too political um i try not to take too many stands i have definite opinions on lots of things but i try not to try not to put that too much into the comic it's um it's a comic about um slightly anthropomorphized bees so usually what i'm doing is taking bees in their normal behaviors and their normal environment and just tweaking something like, wouldn't it be funny if bees did this instead of what they usually do? Um, and then kind of letting that play out. Live, laugh, sting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or the one where the bee got into the coffee ground section of the compost pile. Yes. <laughs> He's all jittery. That one, that one is called Jitterbug, I think. Um, the, the title yeah. of that comic. So good. Yeah, and I like to do parodies every once in a while. So, um, so there some of the ones, <laughs> some of my most popular comics are ones that are actually not not my own designs, but like a Richard Scarry. Uh huh. Um, what What do people do all day? Um, kind of fashioned after what Richard Scarry might have drawn, or um, the Giving Tree. Oh, um, I love right. that one that you did. Um, with the, yeah, the little boy, like from the cover, but yeah. in the beekeeper's outfit with the tree handing a swarm down to him. Yeah. Um, I have to say like, I, that one definitely touched my heart and I, I would really imagine that it touched the hearts of many other beekeepers who've had that I think experience so. it, with it with seemed to be very tree. popular but and and this uh, <laughs> this goes to the fact that I cannot ever anticipate what people will like and what they won't like um but there were a lot of people who were upset about that comic really because Why? they are they and I didn't know this at the time but like when I did the comic um like I was thinking like oh wouldn't it be funny if part of the giving tree was that you know the tree helped the boy collect a swarm but uh i guess there's there are some people who see that story as sort of like um um (laughs) uh they see it as sort of a a story about men and women and um misogynism and um so and like the (laughs) the tree is like the woman who's giving up everything for the boys. Oh my so God. I've was, never, I, I've never known that. Yeah. And if you, and if you, if you look at the book in that light, yeah, you can definitely see people taking it that way. I never really saw the tree as a woman, I guess. I just saw it as a tree. Right. <laughs> so I never really thought about it in that way. But if you deconstruct it in that way, 
Um, you can certainly you can certainly see the point if you reread the book that that people are are coming at it with from that perspective. Did um, did Shel Silverstein ever talk about the meaning I, behind that yeah, story? I don't know. Oh, I don't that's know. so interesting. I just thought it was a story about like kind of a parental, a, a parent-child sort of a, a relationship where it's kind of a, a self-sacrifice of the parent for their child. And that's yeah. kind of, and, but I never really saw the tree as, as like, gendered i guess right. <laughs> just I never would more of like a parent-child relationship so um but but yeah so that's happened with a few comics where i, I didn't anticipate some of the backlash that i got interesting um, uh, where i thought like something was really funny and people got really offended um <laughs> by it and so <laughs> well you <laughs> know what you know I what i heard recently all perspectives um, so somebody was uh talking about how they had received a really upset message about some content that they had created and their response was you know we're not for everybody <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i i do try to be i mean i try to keep the comics clean mm-hmm. for the most part i mean i don't there's no cursing in them it's not like you know nsfw um kind of kind of stuff i mean i think the the worst i get is into like queen mating behavior perhaps is the as mm-hmm. you know as bad as it gets um and even that is for the most part pretty clean so um i mean i try to make it so that it's acceptable for all audiences um not yeah. everybody is you know a five-year-old's not going to get a lot of the comics um and people who aren't beekeepers aren't going to get a lot of the comics but yeah um but yeah, I mean, that's my hope that I don't know. Either people are indifferent to it or enjoy it. <laughs> but I don't. I don't ever mean to offend anybody. So, I so if I've ever offended you, I apologize. <laughs> it's, it's certainly not intended. I know it's coming from a good place. I promise. Yeah, my sense of humor is not for everybody. There's a lot of dad jokes in there. I get a lot of groans from um, from the family when they see some of these. They're like, oh, another one of those jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so i th- i think it's wonderful and um i just appreciate what you're giving the beekeeping world is something incredibly unique and wonderful and you really have become a staple being apis is a staple oh that's very kind of you to say i'm not sure it's true but we'll go with that you can get an array of rob's designs at beingapis.threadless.com He also has an author page at lulu.com where you can get the official Being Apist calendar and a book featuring his work from 2015 to 2016. Head over to beekeeperconfidential.com where I've included links to these pages and his Being Apist social accounts. Until next time, may the buzz be with you. Beekeeper Confidential is written and produced by Mandy Shaw.